0: Last time on Licensed to Parent, we talked with John Rosemond, author of The Parenting Code, revealing God's perfect plan for parenting. How
1: did it happen that two intelligent, responsible people have raised the most ill-behaved child we'd ever seen? Well, my wife said, well, you know, you brought home these ideas from school, but don't you think that if we had raised our children the way we ourselves had been raised, that this wouldn't be happening? And Willie and I just dedicated ourselves to that point, to replicating our own upbringing.
0: We'll talk more about getting back to God's parenting ecosystem today on Licensed to Parent. Hi, I'm glad you've joined us for another episode of Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis. And our host, Trace Ambury, is the founder and executive director of Shepherds Hill, also the author of The Miracles of Shepherds Hill. I'm Michelle Hill. Our goal on Licensed to Parent is to take what we're learning each day at Shepherd's Hill and share it with you so that you can be better prepared to raise your kids in a way that honors God. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is John Rosemond. He has worked with families, children, and parents since 1971 in the field of family psychology. He is a writer, a speaker. He has written over 20 best selling parenting books, and he's also one of America's most popular speakers in the field of parenting. John and his wife live in North Carolina. Trace?
2: Well, John, thank you for coming back uh, for a second uh, round here. I, I really appreciate that. Uh, last time we were talking about the, the that wide chasm between a biblical worldview and uh, secular theory, basically, uh, secular psychology, and how things have kind of fallen apart uh, in the last 50, 60 years uh, when it comes to our families. And uh, I think you've made your point that... Uh, uh, we've kind of fallen away from a biblical worldview, a traditional uh, view of parenting in America, and, and accepted this new fangled uh, idea that uh, seems to have uh, kind of unraveled our families to a great extent. So is there any way around the notion that a lot of parents are going to have to come to grips with a whole new way of thinking about child rearing in order to accept and execute some of these things that we're going to be talking about here in the next 30 minutes?
1: Well, that's the purpose of uh, my latest book, The Bible Parenting Code, and this is my mission in my ministry these days, and it has been since I accepted Christ uh, 25 years ago, um, has been to explain to people that psychology is a lie, the lie. lie. Uh, people don't understand that and may think, ooh, those are harsh words. Hey, I am a psychologist. I am licensed by the state of North Carolina. It is legal for me to use the term psychologist when I describe myself, and I will tell people from that authoritative podium that psychology is a lie, Mm. and if it is a lie, and I can prove it's a lie, uh, if it is a lie, then it is the work of Satan, and uh, the Bible is the truth, and the truth is not complicated. Lies are very complicated. They're very complicated entities. If you've ever spoken to a liar, a liar is a very complicated person to talk to. And psychology has made parenting very complicated, as evidenced by the stress that today's mother feels in the raising of a child. And the Bible's way, which I try to explain in the Bible Parenting Code Uh, It is truthful and simple. The truth is evident. It is self-evident. And when people, this is the thing, when people come to my speaking engagements, this is what they come up to me afterwards and say, John, that was so convincing and it was so simple. Yeah. Right.
2: I don't think it it's was meant simple. to be difficult.
1: The raising of a child is a fundamentally simple thing.
2: I agree. I totally agree. I I, I cannot believe some of the books I've read. The ten principles of this. The the twelve uh, uh, you know steps to that. What parent is going to log that in her brain every time Junior makes a move. I, I don't get it. And, and you know, you, you, I, think, I think there's a, a there's something to be said for the importance of both parents being on the same page. And if they're both taking their cues from the same pages of a document that has been, you know, really, I, I would say proven itself over the last several thousand years, uh, that seems like a, a logical step in my direction. Hmm. Can you talk about the importance of parents being on the same page when they're parenting their kids?
1: Oh, wow. How much time do we have left? <laughs> um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the reason, in a nutshell, that parents aren't on the same page is because um, you parent properly from the roles of husband and wife, which are the roles ordained to us by God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he sanctified the husband-wife relationship. He did not sanctify the parent-child relationship. And the nutshell explanation of why today's parents aren't on the same page, and it's ubiquitous, is because today's parents believe they are parenting. And so they function as mom and dad in their families. When they have children, they begin acting like they took a vow on their wedding day that said, I take you to be my husband, I take you to be my wife until children do us part. A child comes along, and two years later, you look in on this family, these two people are no longer acting like husband and wife. They're totally dedicated to mom and dad. And you can't get on the same page as mom and dad. That's paradoxical, but it's the truth. The only way you can get on the same page is to put your marriage first.
2: Mm -hmm. Amen. And I see that as a fundamental problem with virtually every family that comes to Shepherd's Hill. But I got a question for you because this happens a lot too. When one parent is more allegiant to his or her kids than to his or her spouse, Mm -hmm. that allegiant parent uh, who's often more of a peacekeeper is often developing a, a much closer relationship with their kids, on the surface anyway, than the spouse who's more of the peacemaker of the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what consolation do you have for that peacemaking spouse who would really enjoy a better relationship with his kids but finds it hard to compete with the child-allegiant peacekeeping spouse who's bent on giving the kids more of what they want than more of what they actually need, almost to the point of enabling or even mm-hmm. enmeshment with their kids?
1: Well, here's what's happened in the American family, and I'm talking to a norm here. There are exceptions, of course. But the mother-child relationship has become a relationship of codependency in the typical American family. Mm-hmm. The, uh, by the way, the, uh, the motto of codependency is, I feel your pain. Mm. And <laughs> that's what the mother feels when it comes to her child. Mm-hmm she feels her child's pain. She feels his failures, disappointments, his sadness, his grief, his frustrations. She feels what he feels. And so, because she is in a codependent, I feel what you feel, relationship, Mm -hmm. she tries to solve all of her child's problems. And she can't, of course. Mm -hmm. Well, we got here because of psychology. Here was what psychology said. I was there, and here's what I was hearing. That good parenting is all about properly understanding and properly responding to your child's feelings. Well, no one would argue that women are more feeling-oriented than men, and women know that. And so women interpreted that to mean, in effect, that if Johnny or Susie was going to turn out okay, it was going to be because of their unilateral dedication, devotion, and doing. And so what you find today's mothers doing, uh, mothering is almost like a cult in America today. It's a works-based cult. Mm. And you become a good mommy in the eyes of your mommy peers by doing as much for your child as you possibly can.
2: This is insane. Yeah. Do you think some of that comes out of the guilt, uh, maybe they might feel by trying to, uh, you know, work at the bank or the food mart or whatever, and be a a mom at the same time?
1: You know, most of my friends' mothers, I grew up in a blue collar neighborhood in the suburbs of Chicago. Most of my friends' mothers worked outside the home. Almost all of us were latchkey kids. The key was under the mat, you know, at the back door. (laughs) And, um all of my peers uh, would say the same thing. Their mothers got home from work, their fathers got home from work, and the two of them went and sat down in the kitchen and talked while mom was cooking dinner. You know, we were not the center of mom's attention when she got home, even though she was working eight hours a day. So no, this does not have anything to do with the mother working outside the home, this has to do with the demands on the mother, regardless of whether she is an in-the-home mother or an outside-the-home mother, of the good mommy club. The good mommy club is uh, constituted by a set of you-will-do-this rules for mothers. And it's, all, it's like you know the Zen proverb, uh, the fish does not know it's swimming in water. I didn't know it's wet. When I start making this clear to an audience of women, my audiences, as you might imagine, are primarily constituted of women, 60-40. I mean, it blows women's minds because, you know, uh, uh, the, the first doctrine of the Good Mommy Club, you will pay as much attention to your child as you possibly can. Hey, it was my job to pay attention to my mother. Not her job to pay attention to me. But today's mother believes today's mother believes she has to be constantly focused on her child in order to verify to herself and her witnessing peers that she is rising to the standard of good mommyhood.
0: It's insane. Our guest today on Licensed to Parent is John Rosemund. John's latest book is The Bible Parenting Code: Revealing God's Perfect Parenting Plan. Trace Embry, John and I will be right back after this.
3: Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, building together a new and improved Shepherd's Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. Shepherdshillacademy.org buildingtogether building together. That's shepherdshillacademy.org buildingtogether building together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Hi
2: folks, Trace Embry here, host of the Licensed to Parent Broadcast and founder of Shepherd's Hill Academy. We've all heard about modern day miracles, mostly from mission fields. Frankly, I believed about half of them and experienced none of them until about 30 years ago, when Christ truly became the Lord of my life. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill is a book that wasn't written as much as it was recorded it's the true story of how God used a handshake, my family's last $200, and our 30-year odyssey of bumper-to-bumper miracles to acquire a 60-acre farm that was used by the devil and turned it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. I want all people to know that Jesus Christ is still in the miracle-working business for those submitted to his word, will, and
3: way, and who properly understand what faith is Truly is. The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill An Extraordinary Odyssey of Divine Interventions by Trace Embry. Learn more at licensedaparent.org.
0: Welcome back to Licensed to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a nature-based therapy program for teens in crisis. And today we are helping you, the parent, think through your parenting and also mental health and, well, the mommy club codependency, center of attention, parenting is simple, all of those things. Our guest is John Rosemond. And you can connect with John at his website, rosemond.com. So just before the break, we were talking about the mommy club and all of that. But I know, Trace, you want to get into rules without relationship because you see that that as another big factor of what's going on today.
2: Yeah, well, I'm probably going to get hate mail for this, but uh, <laughs> there is, you know, a popular saying among Christians with respect to parenting, and we've all heard it, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. John, is that statement an absolute that's supposed to mean that speed limits and other limits and laws in America have doomed us to all be rebels? Because I don't have relationships with any of the lawmakers who set them all in place.
1: Yeah. Uh, let me put this in a historical perspective. I was speaking at a major conference, and I asked the audience, uh, most of whom were people in their 50s, 60s, and 70s. I said, um, raise your hand if you believe that your parents were trying to have a wonderful relationship with you. And the audience broke out in laughter, and no hands were raised. (laughs) And let me put this in, the mental health of that generation represented in that audience, 10 times better than the mental health of today's kids. Mm. 10 times better. Mm. Our parents were providing us with leadership, not relationship. There is a time for relationship, but it is after the child has been fully discipled. And traditionally, it no longer occurs at this age, But traditionally, as marked by such rituals as the Jewish bar mitzvah, that occurred around age 13. And all of the literature indicates, including de Tocqueville's Democracy in America, indicates that a couple of hundred years ago in this country, at age 13, children were properly discipled, respectful, responsible, hardworking, trustworthy, diligent kids, And we no longer have that in America at the level that we had it in 1830 when de Tocqueville wrote his book. And the reason why, a good reason why, major reason why, is because the psychological propaganda persuaded parents that the brass ring of parenting was a wonderful relationship with your child. You cannot discipline properly a child with whom you are trying to have A wonderful relationship. Mm, Yeah, Yeah. true. They are two competing objectives. And they're not equals. There is a time for relationship. But when you are in the disciplinary phase of your child rearing, that is not to be the objective. Mm.
0: So, John, the parents in the audience that you're talking to, where do we go from here?
1: Well, of course, uh, read my book.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a great plug isn't it
1: <laughs> well that is what i've tried to do is help people understand what god's childering paradigm is and it's very simple and it's laid out in scripture and it's found in 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 and what i do in the book is i take 40 scripture a good biblical number And most of these ostensibly on the surface have nothing to do with raising children, and yet they have a lot to do with raising children Mm -hmm. because God is trying to instill into parents a proper attitude, and the proper discipline of a child is not about methods, techniques, and strategies. It's about a proper attitude. The proper upbringing of a child is about a proper attitude on the part of the parent, not methods, techniques, and strategies. This has been another psychological propaganda piece. And, uh, for example, in Scripture, Jesus, echoing Leviticus, says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Well, how does that pertain to parenting? Well, it pertains to parenting this way, that you and the raising of your child have an obligation to your neighbor to raise your child properly.
2: Amen. That,
1: and as I put it to my audiences all over the country, proper child rearing is an act of love for your neighbor. Amen. And we need—we should not lose sight of the fact that we have social, cultural obligations. Mm -hmm. When it comes to what we now call parenting,
2: yeah, these kids are going to be someone's spouse someday. They're someone's employee, someone's employer. You know, I think this whole you know uh, thing goes back to why maybe we got thirty-year-olds living in our basement again. It's that they never got that independence uh, that they needed. Uh, But is there ever a time and I. I know there is, but I'm going to ask you the question anyway, when we as God-fearing parents actually have to set aside the lay or even sacrifice an idyllic relationship with our kids in order to accommodate the will of God for our lives and theirs?
1: Well, you've got to set that aside uh, until your child has been fully discipled. There is a reason why um, human children live at home until they're around 18 years old. Because that's how long it takes to fully prepare a child
2: for Mm. the
1: world. To
2: be fair, doesn't discipleship though require a degree of relationship? I mean, I I don't think you're saying that we need no relationship with our kids. Uh, We certainly have to have. No, you are
1: going to you are going to have a relationship with your child. Don't don't mistake it. Right, you are going to have a relationship with your child. You should not be in. Relationship with your child, you should be in relationship with your spouse. Right.
2: That's good. That's a good. Way to you
1: have that. a relationship with your neighbors. You have a relationship with your fellow employees. Yeah. You have a relationship with the people with whom you go to church. Yeah. You have a relationship with your child. You should be in relationship with Jesus Christ and your spouse, right, in that order.
2: I I couldn't agree more, Uh, doesn't this go back to uh, parents basically trying to to become their their child's equal or make their child equal to them and it stands to reason that okay, now you created a kid that accidentally ends up on third base living under the delusion he's just hit a triple.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, it, it's uh, the way I put it to audiences again is this way. It's very, very difficult to emancipate from the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is, yeah. uh, that so... is being seen in emancipation statistics where today's kids aren't fully emancipating economically and residentially uh, until their late twenties. If that's then, nuts. You know, when I was growing up, I didn't know of any 20-year-old kids living in their parents' houses anymore.
2: Right, right. nor did they want you to. You know,
1: all of us in high school, we were eager to get out. Mm-hmm. Why? Because we weren't at the center of attention. I mean, it'll and that gave us permission to leave. Yeah. And 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 the, and the Bible mandates emancipation. Right. God says, and the man shall leave his father and mother. And then he is to emancipate a woman. Emancipation is a big deal in God's Mm -hmm. plan. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Leave and cleave.
1: Yeah, Yeah. leave and cleave. Yeah, Yeah, and become one flesh, yeah.
2: Scripture says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, (laughs) Not many in the secular world would buy this, and a growing number of Christian uh, parents aren't buying it either even fewer would say the kids should fear their parents, and you say?
1: I say fear of your parents is the beginning of fear of the Lord, Mm -hmm. because we as parents are to properly represent God to our children until they are old enough to wrap their heads around the need to obey a spirit being they cannot see. We are to represent God as properly as imperfect human beings are capable of doing so. Mm -hmm. And so children should be afraid of their parents in the biblical sense of the term. Mm. They should not be frightened of their parents. They should be biblically fearful of their parents. That's good. And yeah, you're right. Trace, this is something that today's parents say. Oh, I don't want my child to be afraid of me. Right. I had a parent say that to me a couple of months ago, and I said, "Well, that's why you're having the problems you're having <laughs> yeah. with your child." You, know, you, you, know, don't under, you don't understand the word fear for, <laughs> number one.
2: And, and, and speaking of being God's representative as parents, I mean, does Scripture ever speak to or even imply that God is willing to compromise His holy terms to secure a relationship with mm-hmm.
3: His children?
1: I don't. I can't think of an example. I can't either. <laughs> But no, he doesn't compromise. He doesn't compromise with Israel. He never compromises with Israel. He holds them to a higher standard, in fact.
2: So I know we're kind of running out of time, and I'll have to be quick here, but I do want to get this question out. How should the Christian parent of a prodigal adult child respond when that adult child refuses to speak to her Christian parent for holding her accountable for a particular offense? Are there any approaches that the parent needs to employ to rekindle a relationship when the adult child refuses to acknowledge the offense, or, or is he even willing to respond to the parent? When
1: parents come to me and tell me that an adult child has stopped speaking to them I advise the parent to do nothing about it except pray. Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: yeah, That would be my counsel. I tell parents that if you enter the game, and the game is cat and mouse, the game is the pursuer and the pursued, and you become the pursuer, the pursued is going to become that much more stubborn. Yep. Yep. And so don't pursue. Pray. Yeah.
2: Absolutely, because mm-hmm. that's that—that's the spiritual part of the equation, and and uh, you know we're not going to save anybody, uh, but the Lord the Lord uh, takes care of that part for us. John, thank you so much for being with us. It's been a pleasure yes, to have you thank back you. on.
1: Hey Trace, Michelle, I've thoroughly enjoyed it as always. Please, uh, you know. Invite me back. I, I know that's kind of bold, but uh, <laughs> I, I always love I always love being on the show. Thanks a lot. All
2: right. I will take you up on
0: that. We'll get you Wonderful. another invitation. That's for sure. Well, our guest today on Licensed to Parent has been John Rosemond. You can connect with John at rosemond.com. We've been talking with John today about his latest book, The Parenting Code, Revealing God's Perfect Plan for Parenting, which you can find at rosemond.com. Thanks for listening to Licensed to Parent. Licensed to Parent is an extension of Shepherd's Hill Academy, our year-long, Christ-centered, wilderness-based residential program for troubled teens. If your teen is in trouble and in need of help, well, we want to offer help. Contact us through our website, licensedtoparent.org. Also, we are well on our way to expanding our campus at Shepherd's Hill, thanks to generous donors like you. Your gift to Shepherd's Hill is bringing hope and healing to families in crisis, and you can always give securely online by clicking the Donate button at the top of the page when you visit licensedparent.org. You know, another way you can support us is by getting Trace's book, The Miracles of Shepherd's Hill, An Extraordinary Odyssey of Divine Interventions. You know, Trace has said this book wasn't written as much as it was recorded. It's an account of all the bumper-to-bumper miracles that it took to acquire a 60-acre farm that had been used by the devil and turn it into a 250-acre globally recognized healing ministry for God. That's pretty incredible. And the book is pretty incredible. The way it's written, the book can be used as an apologetic or even as an evangelistic tool so that readers will know that Jesus is still in the miracle working business. If you'd like a copy for yourself or, hey, pick up a few for your friends for Christmas gifts, just simply go to LicensedToParent.org and scroll down to the book on the right-hand column. That's LicensedToParent.org. Thanks to our team for making today possible. Daniel Fazina helps with guest relations. Our producer is Rich Rosel. Carl Peetz is our technical producer. For Trace Embry, I'm Michelle Hill, inviting you to join us again next time to renew your Licensed to Parent.
2: And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. See you next time.